Hello everyone, welcome back to the Tar Heel Prescription, a student-run podcast here at the UNC School of Medicine. My name is Peter, and I'm one of your co-hosts. And my name is Abdul. We recently talked about the cardiology block and all the cortisol associated with that roller coaster. Anatomy Lab is the next educational component that MS1s are introduced to during the cardio block, and that, in itself, can come with a lot of mixed feelings too. Excitement, apprehension, reservation, etc. Today, we hope to quell a lot of those feelings by debriefing this valuable educational experience with a special guest you all should recognize very well now, the anatomy guru himself, Dr. Koenig. Dr. Koenig, thank you so much for being here. It is great to see you again. If you would, please tell us a little more about who you are and what you do at UNC in the context of anatomy. Well, um, hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. And um, super excited for the anatomy portion of your medical education to get started. I know all the anatomy faculty have been, you know, waiting anxiously for this point. I think it's one of the most exciting aspects of the preclinical curriculum. And I'm the anatomy coil director, so I kind of oversee and shepherd all the anatomy for the first and second year med students, and we're excited to kick it off here uh, next week with uh, the MS1s as they, you know, get going in the cardiovascular block. It's always a pleasure to have you here with us, Dr. Koenig. As MS1s will come to discover, we are so lucky to see you many times throughout the foundation phase, and we love every opportunity we get to do so. Um, to jump right into today's discussion, anatomy is one of the fundamental principles of medicine. Knowing where things are located in the body and how they work together is vital to how we navigate diagnoses and treatment and clinical practice. While anatomy as a subject needs little introduction, how would you describe anatomy and what you enjoy most about it? So, you know, I think my favorite part of it is being in the lab and seeing students as they kind of explore and uncover and discover the structures that they get to learn about and read about either in lecture and modules and so forth. So it's just, it's a fun opportunity. I think, you know, when students are having fun, they, uh, they certainly learn better. And I think that students learn more in the anatomy lab than they do from any of my lectures or YouTube videos or first aid. And so, you know, you just see lots of light bulbs go off as, as students, you know, uh, work their way through the various dissections throughout the foundation phase. Yeah, I got to say, anatomy portion was, was by far one of my favorite throughout this foundation phase. As far as learning and personal growth goes, you can't be anatomy lab. Like you said, so many light bulbs going off at the same time. I know I had a lot of that experience myself. Exactly. And I think, you know, you know, as you guys know, I mean, medicine's a team sport and, uh, you know, students get the opportunity to work in groups of four and five. And uh, some of the best friendships are made in anatomy lab. It's just something special about it. It's kind of the first opportunity, your first patient, if you will. And lots of students are apprehensive about it. And I think that draws people closer together. And so it's just a great learning experience aside from, you know, the basic science of anatomy that students are learning. Learning. Just working with teammates in an uncomfortable situation uh, maybe is even more valuable for students down the line. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a special privilege and great experience, not just for anatomy, but other things as well. It's surprising what you can learn in the anatomy lab. Um, and in talking with some friends at other institutions, we've seen variations in how anatomy and anatomy lab is integrated into the academic curriculum. Could you tell us more about how anatomy is taught here at UNC, as well as the value of learning the anatomy system by system rather than all at once as an anatomy block? Sure. So, you know, years ago and traditionally, and I'm sure lots of medical schools still do it, anatomy is done as a course where students start on day one and maybe they have 
10 weeks or 12 weeks of nothing but anatomy and anatomy labs. But here at UNC, we do an organ system curriculum, so we sprinkle in the appropriate and relevant regional anatomy that is, uh, that's required to understand the, the organ system information. And we think it's valuable for students to learn normal and abnormal together. We think it helps to cement the information and makes quick clinical references to the important basic science information that they're seeing. So here in the cardiovascular block, although they're learning much about the heart and great vessels, we obviously dissect the heart and the great vessels, but we expand a little bit. In fact, we do the whole thoracic cavity and tie in the, the pulmonary system a little bit, and it just gives a great overarching view of, of the cardiovascular system and how it relates to the pulmonary system, and pulmonary is their next organ system, so it works really well. I remember as we were trying to go through to the heart, it, it made me excited for what's to come later Right when we're about to go and, and do these dissections specifically for the block that we're going through. So it's kind of fun to get a, uh, an overview of what's to come later on. Exactly. Um, on a logistical note, uh, students see anatomy material in the form of in-house lectures and dissection modules that you deliver. How are these resources organized around dissections and how should students utilize them to get the most out of their time in the lab? Does the amount of preparation change whether your group is doing dissections or prosections? I don't think the amount of preparation should change a lot between whether you're doing the physical dissection or whether you're coming in to view the dissection, which is what we call a prosection. Um, you know, what we tend to do is have a regional anatomy lecture in the lecture hall that kind of gives an overview of that particular area and the vasculature and the innervation and the general structures. And then I prepare uh, what I call pre-lab modules, which gives students kind of the nuts and bolts of how they'll approach the dissection and important things that they'll see. So whether someone's performing the dissection or doing the prosection, my recommendation is attend the lecture, view the lecture, get an overall sense for it, then view the pre-lab module, then come in and do the dissection and or view the prosection. And then if you have an opportunity, go back and review the lab and review the, uh, the lecture material. I think it's kind of a, a way to see that same material three or four times and really helps to cement it in. Now, for people who do not have the greatest relationship with memorizing things, myself included, anatomy can be a tough subject to master. Your lectures, visuals, and helpful memory devices have been a lifesaver, personally, throughout foundation phase. How should students approach studying this material for exams as well as for anatomy practicals that they're going to be introduced to in cardiology? Sure. I'll start with the anatomy practicals. I think spending time in the lab, doing the labs, going to the pro sections when you have some free time during the week coming in and reviewing things. And then again, my pre-lab modules tend to focus on the major structures that will be, you know, tested on in the anatomy practical. And so I think reviewing those can kind of uh, point to students in the right direction as far as what they should be considering for the practical exam. And the practicals are meant for, you know, uh, just major identification of structures. We don't pick tiny structures that we think students might not have seen. We're, we're, you know, we're trying to emphasize the main and important things that students will find in labs. So going to the lab, spending a little bit of extra time in there reviewing the modules that students should do fine on those. Um, you know, as far as the anatomy material, I, 
for the medical school, I, I try not to have a great deal of memorization. You know, I know that's easy for me to say because I know the information. It doesn't seem like I'm memorizing it. But, you know, I, we don't have students memorize a lot of origins and insertions. That's information that can be looked up in a book and you'd forget that anyway. Um, I try to incorporate cases and questions in my lectures. And at the end of all my lectures, I give a lot of practice questions that kind of help students zero in on the important concepts. And I like to have a summary slide at the end called the bottom line concepts that really help students to focus on what I think are the five or six or seven most important concepts in that particular lecture. And most students come to realize that most of the exam questions are coming from those bottom line concepts. And so if you understand them, uh, you should do fine. And, you know, that's really the goal is we want students to know those five or six or seven really, really important concepts. I have a quick follow up question regarding kind of practice in anatomy lab outside of anatomy lab hours. How should students go approach learning uh, structures on their own, maybe with a team or by themselves whenever they go in after hours into the anatomy lab? So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you go in with three or four people or your anatomy team, it's likely that one of the five is going to remember that particular structure. And so I would just go through the lab manual and see if you can identify, you know, the bolded terms in the lab. And if you can identify those on your cadaver and maybe try a few of the other cadavers in the lab, uh, I think you know the main things that you need to know. We have iPads that are available that uh, highlight, you know, where those structures are at. You can utilize that. There's netter atlases in the lab that students can use as well. And, you know, a lot of students nowadays, you know, like these three-dimensional uh, software programs that you can buy and purchase and complete anatomy. If I had to pick one, seems to be a reasonable price for students. And I think it's a good interface for students can also identify structures. Yeah, I had that app, but I will say I did not really need to use it that much for me to understand and, and kind of learn anatomy. I think going in the lab after hours was by far one of the, the most onward I learned, especially going in with a friend. So like I went in with Abdul several times and we kind of went through the, the structures and, and quizzed each other. That's the way to do it because during the actual lab, you know, you're processing trying to get through the lab and identify the structures. You need to spend a little time outside of that actually learning and reviewing them. Well, speaking of structures, a big part of learning anatomy is becoming comfortable with the fact that the human body is incredibly complex and thus requires a whole new language, sort of. There is a bit of Latin here and there. Mm -hmm. um, and an avalanche of directional terms and terminology. If students find themselves falling behind or struggling to learn the anatomy for either an exam or an anatomy practical, what should they do? Um, are there additional resources that might help with learning this material? So there's nothing I'd rather talk about than human anatomy. So students <laughs> are always welcome to email me. Uh, you know, I can set up office hours with them. I can go to the lab with them and review, you know. So I don't want students to feel bashful about that. I mean, if I have the time and I'm available on campus, I'm happy to meet students in the lab or, you know, over Zoom in the evening and kind of talk about, you know, high-yield information and what to focus on. I also put in a personal plug. I loved anatomy so much that I don't mind helping students and, and going back in the anatomy lab and kind of 
it helps me refresh my Good. memory on this stuff again. So if anybody wants any advice or any explanation of anything that we have seen already, I'm happy to also. Well, we appreciate that, Peter. And, you know, it's it's good for the first years and it's good for the uh, second years and third years. People to come back in and refresh their memory on uh, on the structures and the three dimensional relationships. So it helps both ways. So we appreciate it. Switching gears now, let's talk more about the elephant in the anatomy lab. Dissections can be emotionally difficult. For many students, this may be their first time ever interacting with the deceased. Although it's a so-called rite of passage into medicine, it can be a big emotional challenge. What should students expect with starting this component of their medical education, and how should they navigate the stress that can accompany this experience? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I've been doing this for almost 25 years in the med school. And, you know, I wish I had something magical to say to students to put everybody at ease. Um, everybody has their own journey through anatomy. And, and you'll find that some of the students take to it rather quickly and don't seem to be struggling or bothered with the process at all. And other students are taken back quite a bit. Uh, I always make myself available. I've been emailing the MS1s that, you know, if you have any concerns or questions, please come and talk to me. Um, And I continue to make myself available. Some people don't know that they're going to struggle with this process until they actually get into the lab. But, you know, I just try to reassure students that that's normal. It's okay for it to be a longer process for you. And I would never force any student to dissect. If they feel that they would rather stand back and watch as they go through the process and they want to do that throughout the preclinical curriculum, that's perfectly fine. Some people, after a few months or a few blocks, they start to become a little bit more at ease with it and then start to participate a little bit more. And then, you know, I'll even tell students I would never force anybody to be in the lab if they felt that they couldn't do it, whether it was personal reasons, religious reasons, whatever the reason. I would never force anybody to do that. And, you know, we'll make accommodations if someone can't be there. We can teach them anatomy through just images and so forth. I I can't recreate the experience for someone if they find that they struggle with being in the lab. But We don't want that to be a hindrance for someone. Uh, But I'd say the vast majority of students, given some time, they start to acclimate and it just becomes a little bit more comfortable for them. But again, you know, reach out to me, talk to me, talk to other anatomy faculty, talk to upperclassmen, talk to your advisor. Uh, It is one of those processes that for some people can take a little bit longer to get adjusted to. You know, and I think the same thing can happen when students enter, you know, surgical clerkships. Uh, Some students take to it rather easily and others have a harder time being in the operating room. So, you know, maybe this is a way that helps students prepare for clerkships that are going to be down the line and dealing with some uncomfortable situations. But my advice is take it as slow as you can. Please talk to faculty. Please talk to me. We're here to help. And uh, we want the experience to be as as pleasurable for you as we can possibly make it. Well, it's also important to acknowledge that we are privileged to have an opportunity to learn the anatomy of the human body in this way. There is no anatomy lab without our donors. And UNC has a well-established donor program. Last year, we learned more about human anatomy than any textbook could teach us with the help of 19 gracious donors. 
Could you tell us more about the UNC donor program? Sure. <clears throat> so I think, you know, we're so fortunate here at the University of North Carolina School of Medicine. I, I think arguably we have the best body donation program in the United States. I want students to understand that all the individuals that have donated their bodies, this amazing gift to UNC School of Medicine, have gone through a rigorous legal process to do this. All of these individuals are doing it for different reasons. Some maybe lost a spouse to cancer. Uh, others, it, maybe they were physicians and had gone through uh, medical school years and years ago. Uh, for whatever reason, we have individuals in the state of North Carolina that feel that it's very important to assist in the education of new physicians. And they go through a process uh, here at UNC where they have to uh, sign up for this, and it's a legal process in which they go through. Uh, uh, it, it takes, you know, several months of this process for individuals to uh, to make the commitment to the University of North Carolina. Um, and so all of the individuals in the lab, all the donors in the lab are are doing this to assist you in your learning and to help you to become better physicians. And so, you know, I stress to students, I don't want students to ever feel that they're performing an act on the donor that the donor wasn't aware was going to be occurring. And so, um, you know, sometimes that helps to put students at ease knowing that these individuals are doing this because they wanted to do it. There are some body donation programs around the country where if someone dies and they have no next of kin, the state can use that individual as a donor in the lab. But the University of North Carolina does not do that. All the individuals are there because they have decided willingly that they wanted to be there. That's so beautiful. And like you said, it's the most precious gift that anyone can give. It sure is. And I guess since we're still on the topic of uh, uh, the donor program, so UNC hosts an annual memorial service to commemorate our gracious donors and their families. Can you tell us more about the Anatomy Memorial Service and how students can show their appreciation for this generosity? Sure. I'm always amazed. You know, this is a student-run, a medical student-run uh, memorial service for, uh, for the donors. And every year, uh, it, currently it happens to be in the fall, uh, the medical students organize an anatomy memorial service where we invite all of the families of the donors for that particular year. And so not only are the medical students all invited, but the dental students who use donors the physical therapy students, the PA students, all of the professional students at the University of North Carolina are invited to this really, really touching and, uh, and, and quite impressive memorial service that the medical students put on each and every year. And so it's about an hour, an hour and a half long. And some students read poetry, others sing songs, some play uh, musical instruments, some just get up and talk about their experience. Uh, but it's quite moving. And the families are there, those that are able to come, and you can, you can sense the appreciation that all the professional students at the School of Medicine have for this unbelievable learning experience that they got to partake in throughout their, uh, throughout their journey. That's a beautiful way to commemorate our gracious donors and their families. Changing topics a little, and on a fun note, 
we know that you are incredibly passionate about anatomy. In fact, we still remember your favorite vein. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's the left renal vein. With that, we have two questions. One, which block contains your favorite anatomy to teach? And two, do you have a different answer for which is your favorite system to examine? Well, I'd probably have to say, you know, my favorite block to teach anatomy in is, uh, is the MSK block, uh, in part because I am the, one of the course directors for it. But it's also the block in the preclinical curriculum where there's the most anatomy. Um, there's 10 different dissections that we do in the MSK block. And so there's basically two weeks of nothing but straight anatomy. And it's a really fun time of the year for the MS1s. It's at the end of the spring semester and they need the break and they need the opportunity to get up out of the lecture hall and get into the lab and be with their classmates. And so it, it, it's, it's enjoyable for a number of reasons. I don't think that's particularly hard anatomy, the limbs and the back. And so I think it's a nice uh, it's a nice culmination of the year for students, and they get to spend a lot of time with their teammates in, in the laboratory. So that's certainly my, my favorite block to teach anatomy. And the other part of your question, I'm sorry, was... was which is your favorite system to examine? It, it might be the neurologic system. You know, I, I, one of my favorite labs to do is to remove the brain and study the brain. And in the neurologic block, students have the opportunity to examine the external and internal features of the brain. And it's just fascinating, you know, and, and we continue to learn more and more about the human brain and how it all functions and interacts together. And so I, I think it may be my favorite area to examine. Well, those are all the questions that we have for you. Uh, we'd like to leave some room right now for you to share any other thoughts or insights that you might have. And really about anything, whether it's anatomy lab, life, blocks, <laughs> stress, medical school. Sure. Now, I'll just say to the MS1s that we're all excited for them. And uh, we don't want you to be apprehensive, but we understand that some of you will be. But please feel free to reach out to me and come talk with me. I'm always around on campus and we'll make this transition as certainly as, as smooth as possible. But understand you're not alone and don't feel bad if you're in medical school and you're struggling with that. That's perfectly normal. Uh, you know, I have friends that went into general surgery and said they fainted the first time they were in the operating room. It doesn't mean you won't be a great general surgeon, and it doesn't mean you won't be a great physician if you struggle with, uh, you know, the initial days in the laboratory. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Dr. Koenig, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing more of your time and infinite wisdom. Anatomy Lab can evoke a number of feelings in students. So hopefully talking through the experience and the normalcy of all those emotions today will put MS1s more at ease as they start cardiology and prepare for the first day in the lab. To our listeners, that was Anatomy Call Director Dr. Ed Kernick and a little snapshot into Anatomy Lab. My name is Peter. And my name is Abdul. Be sure to follow the Tar Heel Prescription on Instagram to keep up with our speaker highlights and latest episodes. And please give us any feedback or suggestions for episode topics by either contacting us directly or filling out the Google form you recently circulated. Thank you for tuning in today, and we'll see you next time on the Tar Heel Prescription.